there's a great old chorus that goes, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of this world will go strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. And I can't think of better words with which to introduce this new series about the preeminence of Christ. If you're not quite sure what that word preeminence means, I'm going to explain it in just a moment. But it's really important that we turn our gaze to Jesus. Around our country, there's some additional lockdowns and phoning friends in that area. There's this kind of weight on them. And I think we feel it, even though we have relative freedom at the moment here in the ACT. And it's just this kind of underlying thing. And we can get so caught up in that, that we can actually miss the glory and the magnificence of the Lord Jesus Christ. And how gazing upon that transforms things within us and around us. I've subtitled this morning's message, and it's a really personal question, is Jesus first? Is Jesus first in your life? You see, we see eminence when we watch a royal wedding or a funeral or a coronation. And immediately for some, there's Diana's wedding dress that comes to mind, but I'll leave that alone. And anyone who is allowed into a royal court, whether historically or even currently, is instructed how they should behave before royalty. And I want to ask you this question, again, tying it to that thought, is Jesus first in your life? What is preeminent or what dominates? What is first in your thinking, in your attitudes, in your behavior? In our society, we see people grasping for position, for status. And let's be honest, it also happens in the church. In fact, the beloved apostle John in his third epistle in verse 9 speaks of a man called Diophetes who loves to be first and will have nothing to do with us. This man's carnal desire to be first, to have eminence within the church caused him to cut others out. And I want to remind you that the devil wanted preeminence to be in the first place and then found out that it was filled, the position was filled. There's this question without amazement that is asked and recorded from the prophet Isaiah. And speaking of the devil who was the angel who covered the throne of God, the worship leader of heaven as it were. And listen to the astonishment. How are you fallen from heaven? O day star, son of the dawn, you said in your heart, or oh, that's a revealing statement, the conversations that go on in our heart, you said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven above the stars of God. I will set my throne on high. I will ascend to the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. But you were brought down to Sheol, the pits, the place of the dead as he tried to create an eminence above that of God or claim that position, like I said, he found the position was already filled and he was cast down. So preeminence means to have prime importance, dignity, 
the, the being supreme, the best, the first. And put simply, it's having first place above all others and all things. And over and over again, the scripture declares that Jesus is preeminent. He is in the first place. The apostle John declares of Jesus in Revelation 17, 14. He is the Lord of all lords and the King of all kings. He is the Lord of all lords and the King of all kings. And listen to this. I love this because this connects us to the preeminence of Christ. And his called and chosen and faithful ones will be with him. Somehow or other, as fallen, broken human beings, when we say yes to Jesus, when we put him first in our lives, he brings us into that place of his preeminence. I'm not talking about us getting the glory. I'm talking about us being covered by everything that he is first in, that he has preeminence in. In fact, the Apostle Paul in the book of Colossians magnifies the preeminence of Christ. I'm going to look at it in just a moment. And he connects it directly to our salvation. Listen to these words in Ephesians 1 verse 14. And the, the verses that follow are to declare the preeminence of Christ. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness. The word rescue there literally means he has snatched us out of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who has purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. And then Paul declares magnificent declarations about the preeminence of Christ. And what he's saying here is that our rescue from the kingdom of darkness is certain, lasting and eternal because God accomplished it through the Lord Jesus Christ who is preeminent in all things. There's nothing or no one who can challenge his authority. So when you say yes to Jesus, there's nothing, no one who can challenge your salvation because it's in Christ, the preeminent one. And Paul is literally saying in the verses that follow that I'm going to spend a bit of time in this morning, is Jesus made it all and he paid for it all. He made it all and he paid for it all. I want to read these verses where the Apostle Paul celebrates and the way it's written, it's kind of written as an ancient hymn, an anthem of praise for the, for the, for the early church where he declares Jesus is first in everything. And I'm reading Colossians 1 verse 15 to 20. And I hope you allow these words to resonate with your heart, your soul. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything else was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. 
He existed before anything else and he holds all of creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first. The word there is preeminent. He is first. He is preeminent in everything. He is preeminent in everything. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ and through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of the blood, uh, Christ's blood on the cross. And the next verse says, and you are included in this. And I want you to see again, Paul is connecting your salvation, the security of it, the assurance of it. Then when you say yes to Jesus and live under his lordship, that his preeminence secures your forgiveness secures grace in your life, secures cleansing, secures provision because he's preeminent in all things. So let's look at these declarations. And really we could camp in this for weeks, but I'm just going to touch on them and allow something to be triggered in your spirit. Jesus firstly reveals God perfectly. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God, Paul declares. When Jesus was on planet earth and had gathered disciples around him, one of them, Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. Show us the Father and that'll be enough. And Jesus replied, have I been with you all this time, Philip? And yet you still do not know who I am? Anyone who's seen me has seen the Father. And we have people who have all sorts of ideas about who God is and what God is like. And Jesus is simply saying, if you look at me, my response to broken people, my response to fallen humanity, my compassion, my resurrection, my glorious sin, you'll get a glimpse. You'll begin to understand who God is. And so for all the other theories, if they contra contradict the essence of the revealed Christ, that view of God is incorrect. Jesus says, if you've seen me, You've seen the Father. You've seen God. In Christ, the invisible God is made visible. And if you want to know God, get to know Jesus. Read the Gospels. See who He is and what He's done. As Then you read through the rest of the New Testament. The writer of Hebrews, whose theme is everything that Jesus did is better than what was before. In fact, it's the best makes this declaration, and I love these words, the sheer majesty of these words, as he points our eyes to consider Jesus, to behold him. And he says of Jesus, he is the radiance of the glory of God, the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature. He upholds the universe by the word of his power. The same thought that Paul had earlier, he holds all things together. 
He upholds the universe by the word of his power. But notice again the connection to forgiveness and salvation. After making purification for sins, he sat down. He sits on the eternal throne. He rules and reigns over all things. He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. And the thought came to me as I was refreshing this this morning and just further preparing for this delivery was that sometimes we run around and I'm not talking about being lazy or anything, but we scurry, yeah, we scurry, we're anxious and all the rest of it. And sometimes we just need to sit down in the presence of the one who sat down on the majesty of high and rules and reigns over all things and let his calm, let his peace just saturate our hearts and flow into our circumstances so that when we get up, we're refreshed, we're empowered and we're living in that place where we're secure under his preeminence, his majesty. Because without Christ, we are destitute. We are powerless to face many of the challenges in this world and we become pawns of satanic principalities because to Christ alone belongs power and dominion, authority and all grace. And over again, over again, the scripture declares he shares that with us who have acknowledged him as Lord and Saviour. So number one, Jesus reveals God perfectly. Secondly, Jesus is supreme over all of creation. In fact, the Bible calls him the firstborn over all creation. And we need to be careful with that term firstborn. It doesn't mean he was created. It has a different concept that I'll touch on briefly in a moment. He's the firstborn over all creation. For in him, all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. And all things have been created through him and for him. I heard just this week of somebody who was railing against the concept of God and Christian faith and made the statement, if God is real, why did he create such an enormous universe that we can't even glimpse or see? What a waste. And my thought is, you don't understand. It wasn't created for you. You get to enjoy the sheer joy of the discovery of what we were able to see so far in the created universe. But it wasn't created for you. You were invited to enjoy it and share in it, but it wasn't created for you. It was created for His pleasure. It was God's delight who sees all of creation. He said it was created by Him and for Him. And we get to share in it the magnificence of His creation. All things were created to display Christ's glory and Christ outranks everything in creation. Philippians 2, 9 and following says, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name, the name that is above every other name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. So Jesus reveals God perfectly. He's supreme over all creation. 
and I love this, Jesus holds all things together. He is before all things. And in him, all things hold together. The writer of Hebrews said a similar thing. He is before all things and in him, all things hold together. The eternal Christ holds all creation together. He keeps the cosmos from chaos. He sustains it. And what it's telling us that God didn't create this world, this universe, and then walk away from it, because that's another lie that is perpetrated. Christ did not create and then walk away and leave us. Christ is involved in all of creation. He holds it all together. And if he holds it all together, he can hold your life together. He can hold your life together. When you feel the, the creeping chaos, when you feel things are out of control, when you're facing enormous challenges, whether in health or in finance or in relationships or just a struggle within yourself, you can lean back into the preeminence of Jesus, sit at His throne, sit at His feet and just know that He holds it all together. And if He can hold the universe together, He can hold your life and keep it together. Paul says this with great confidence in Philippians 1.6, and I feel like I'm speaking and prophesying it over us this morning because I need it as well. I'm certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue His work until it is final, finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. The word I am certain is, Paul, in other translations, I am confident. And there may be a lot of things going on in your life, in your world today, where you're not that confident. But you can hold to this promise. You can speak this promise over your heart, over your life, over your circumstance. I am confident that the one who holds the universe together can hold my life together. And if he started something in me, he will complete it until the day when the Lord Jesus Christ returns. The fourth thing is Jesus is the head of the church. And Christ, Paul says, is also the head of the church, which is his body. The word church there has nothing to do with buildings. It refers to the assembly, the gathering of God's people. We're the church, whether we're in the building or outside of the building. And we need to be the church outside of the building as much as we are on a Sunday morning when we gather. But Jesus reigns and he seeks as the head of the church to guide us, yes, collectively, but to guide you individually, to lead you, to prompt you, to bring you into a place of victory, to help you overcome the challenges and some of the difficult things that you are facing. We cannot exist without him. We are not the head, he's the head. We're the body, he is Lord. And the fifth thing that Paul says in this magnificent hymn, extolling the preeminence of Christ, that he is in first place in everything. He says, Jesus is firstborn from the dead. His words, he is the beginning and the firstborn from the dead. And again, the word firstborn is describing something quite different to natural birth. It's drawing on the concept. But Jesus is not, was not the first person to be raised from the dead. The Old Testament 
miracles where somebody was raised from the dead. Lazarus was raised from the dead, but faced death again. Jesus is the one who faced death and conquered it and shattered it and transformed it. That's what it's talking about. He was the first never to die again. He conquered death. And instead of death being an end to life, it's the beginning and that which ushers you into eternal life. That's how transformative the resurrection power of the Lord Jesus Christ is and His preeminence over all things. When He was raised from the dead and given a name that is above every name, that of the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue confess that He is Lord to the glory of God. Hebrews 2 verse 14 and 15 says this, the son also became flesh and blood for only as a human being could he die or the wonder of that. And only by dying could he break the power of the devil who has the power of death. And only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. None of us look forward to our death. But death is no longer the master, it's the servant. It's the servant that ushers us in to God's eternal presence. And I'm not making light of anybody's death or those who are facing challenges or even have faced loss during the season of a loved one. But death is transformed by the power of the preeminent Christ. It is not master, it is servant and ushers you into the presence of God. So I pose this question that I started with. Is Jesus first? Paul would answer resoundingly. He is first in everything. He has first place. He is preeminent in all things and in all circumstances and in the whole universe. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he's first preeminent in everything. The question is, is he first in your life? Have you put him first? You can't make him first, but you can place him first in your life. And in the series, we can explore that a little bit in a way that I believe is life-giving and empowering. And then Roll it out into the preeminence he has in securing and assuring our salvation because his first place in everything. Paul declares that because Jesus is preeminent, he has the right, the authority, and the power to reconcile us back to God. Sin separates us from God. The power of Jesus' sacrifice because he is first in all creation. He is first over all creation. He is first in everything. He can secure and assure your salvation, the forgiveness of your sins, the impartation of amazing grace to empower and transform your life. He is first. Paul says he made peace with everything. See, we think of salvation and the death of Jesus and his resurrection as only being a personal thing. But Paul's saying, no, he did something more than that. And I don't fully understand all that has been declared here. 
He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. And then Paul said, just in case you think it's not about you. It is about you, but it's not all about you, but it is about you. This includes you who are once far from God. I want to ask you, are you far from God this morning? And if you are, you can take that step of faith. It's childlike, it's simple. It says, I'll take Jesus at his word. That because he's first in everything, he can offer me forgiveness and cleansing. He can give me a brand new start. He can transform my life. He will come to dwell in me. The resurrected power of the Lord Jesus Christ in dwelling in me to help me in all things. It doesn't abolish the challenges of life, but empowers you to face them. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory.